Hello and welcome to Queering Desi. I'm your host, Priya. As a South Asian queer non-binary person, I have learned a lot on my journey of self-acceptance and building community. So in each episode, I will bring you a slice of South Asian LGBTQ life with a guest who exemplifies what it means to be who you are and to live your truth. I like to create a safe and open discussion with our guests and listeners. So if the topics on this podcast are controversial, please know these opinions are of the guest and host, and we don't mean any offense. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today on the podcast, as a continuation of our special series from London, I have a special couple who I had the chance to meet while I was there. Amir and Amir are not only a dynamic couple in real life, but they also host an amazing podcast called You Don't Love Me. It'll definitely make you laugh out loud and get into the nitty-gritty. On this episode, we talk about their journey as a couple, their travels, and the LGBTQ scene in the UK. So without much further ado, here's Amir and Amir. All right, welcome to Queering Daisy. And this week, I'm so excited to have the stars of the You Don't Love Me podcast, Amir and Amir. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi, Priya. Thank you very much for having us. And you don't love me. You don't love me. And you call me stars. Wow. <laughs> for those that may not know you, can you both please introduce yourselves and your pronouns and uh, your podcast, of course? Yeah, sure. So I shall go first. So my name is Amir. What was your question? Pronouns. Oh, pronouns. Yes. So my pronouns are he and him. And uh, yeah, that's my life, really. I am also Amir, but with two A's. And my pronouns are he and him. And um, we are from the You Don't Love Me podcast. Uh, oh, how do we describe a podcast? It's just life from the, from the perspective of a gay South Asian married couple. Yeah, yeah. We talk about whatever we want, whenever we want. Yeah, we're two queer, they see people of colour trying to live life in the Western world and uh, doing it to our our fullest. (laughs) And yeah, that's just us. That's just the podcast and that's what people listen to, I suppose. I don't know why they listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for those that are around the world and, and within America, we notice your accents. Can you tell us a little bit about where you guys are from? Of course. I'm actually from uh, an American. No, I'm joking. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> yeah, this is a Texas accent. No, um, we are British born. We live in England. And no, that's not London. All of to all your uh, all international folk listening, England is not London. Yeah. They're two, two different things. We are not all tea and crumpets uh, yeah. in between. We, we're from the north of England, actually. Yeah, we're, we're two country boys living in the equivalent of middle America, I'd say. Oh, yeah. In a really nice conservative <laughs> Christian town. And, uh, you know, where all single moms are trying to raise their children, <laughs> we're just two gay guys. We're trying to raise each other. <laughs> I think we are literally the two only two brown people here. And I like to keep it that way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, of course, live in New York and, and this is where I record typically. But I just spent six months in London and that's how I kind of started chatting with you guys. And then, of course, we met at an amazing event. We'll talk about that as well. But what's delightful to me mm. is that I came back and my wife and I have been super sad to be back because we loved London so much. And as you said, London isn't all of England and all of the UK, but, and you guys were talking about New York, right? You were here recently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And and we feel the exact opposite of how you feel. So, I mean, London's cute, but we we were in New York over the Christmas holidays Mm -hmm. and we miss New York so much. And and we were there the year before as well. And it's just, oh, do you know what? I think I've been sad for the last six weeks of not being in New York. It is such an incredible place, and especially from where we're from. I think it's a place where we both truly feel we can be ourselves. Yeah, yeah, just horrible, rotten individuals. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because I think that's a lot of what we feel about London. And I'd love to, I don't know how much this discussion is going to resonate with our listeners, but I'm going to go with it. I felt that, and my wife felt that, like, she's Muslim, I'm Hindu. She felt like as a Muslim brown queer person, she also felt, and she said this to me several times, like, a lot safer. And it's interesting because we live obviously in New York and it's a very, very liberal city compared to a lot of other cities in the U.S. And we have the privilege of like being out and holding hands where that's not 
possible in a lot of other places or, or not safe. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we are saturated in this country with discussions about, you know, racism and gun violence, transphobia, Islamophobia. And we felt like when we were in London specifically, but in the various cities around Europe, when we were there, we when we traveled, we felt safe. Like we felt like you could just be. Um, and there was something about London and, and England specifically where there's like a reverse colonialism happening and there's like, there's just like brown people everywhere. And it made yes. us feel comfortable yeah. in a weird way. No, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And the strength in numbers, right? So if you come here and you see a lot of brown people, you're like, okay, you know, I got this. Like, they've got my back. That's okay. That's cute. But I don't know. I think we see it slightly differently because of sort of our backgrounds. Well, I don't know anyway. I mean, okay, so the last time I was in London, I was wearing a really lovely lenga and Mm -hmm. Amir was in heels running through the streets of London. So that's going to turn a lot of heads, including brown people heads. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I'm sort of attracted to the diversity. I I like what I love about New York is that sort of sense of anonymity you can have. You know, you walk Mm -hmm. down the street and there's a Dominican, there's a black person, there's, you know, a white person, Jewish. It just doesn't matter. Whereas in, in London, London, I don't know. If there are parts I, like that, I suppose. I, I think my, my views changed over the years. And then mm. when I'm in New York, it's like, again, like it's an anonymity, like you can just sort of blend in as well. Mm. And like, you don't feel like you are outrageous. But I think with our, where we're from in the UK, yeah. I think that's where the issue lies. London, for me, doesn't really represent the UK. Yeah, oh, mm. yeah. London's not a great representation of the UK. As in, it's amazing, but it doesn't truly mm. represent the UK. The UK, um, where, where we are currently saturated with um, issues around racism in the UK, mm. you know, obviously with our prime minister now and the way things are heading, it's it's changing rapidly and not for good reason. You know, I don't think yeah. a, a week goes by without any racism yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Us. I, th- I think in the, in the Western world in general, particularly with some of the, you know, the, the world leaders uh, mm. or the leading countries like UK, US, it just is a difficult and divisive time. And yeah, both of us, we've been on holidays or, or we've lived in different places. So the grass just seems greener on the other side, doesn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, because we still have issues like, just everything, you know, being out and about. You don't necessarily realise things you do when you're in a relationship, like, you know, touching a shoulder or a kiss on the cheek or holding hands, but you, you are forced to notice these things and where we're from and we mm. you're consciously thinking of these things, which shouldn't be the case. Mm. Yeah. Do you think, like, have you faced this, like, outside of, like, where you live? You, you talk about, like, a little bit of unsafety, but, like, being brown people, being queer, being together and out and open, like... Do you find that that's unsafe not only where you live, but like around the world? Have you faced that other places? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's difficult to say, I suppose. There there are places where we've distinctly had that. Say, for example, Birmingham, we've mm-hmm. had it, you know, where, where somebody has said something. I think these days everything is just so passive aggressive. And, and, and it, British culture is all about being passive aggressive. So even if they don't openly say it, they will make it known. You know, you, they will do enough to make you feel unwelcome or mm. or something along those lines. There have been times, I'm trying to think right now, but I always see life in a positive light. So I suppose a lot of it, I've just pushed out my mind. But my husband remembers everything. <laughs> so I do. I remember that little specific incidents, like Birmingham, for example, when we were holding hands uh, years ago now, and someone said something really homophobic and, you know, rude to us. Mm. And... But like you said, it's very passive aggressive. It's either it's on it's on two sides. People will turn their nose up at you, be passive aggressive. But I think the thing is, we consciously, which we shouldn't, even when we go to places, think about don't be gay here. Mm. You know, right? We've got to tone it down because we don't want to fight. We don't want anything to happen. Come on, we've been turned away from even gay bars because we're brown. Mm. You know, and that that's a different issue in itself. And then there's the other side where people are intrigued by us like with these sort of aliens and we've been in bars or places before and you know you'll always get um I think, what do you, and they'll sit next to you and like so what do your family think of this what do your parents think of this and I'm like I don't know who you are <laughs> never met you I'm here having a drink trying to have a dance yeah and they're just intrigued by your whole story and I'm like yeah. listen to the podcast <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I want to go a little bit into that, which is how did you guys meet? Like where did, how did all of this magic begin? Yeah, how did we meet, babe? Um <laughs> 
Uh, good question. I don't know. How, how did Sorry. we meet and how can we unmeet? <laughs> uh, we met in November of 2014. We met through a, a mutual friend who isn't our friend anymore. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a tendency of not knowing people anymore, unfortunately. So, you know, let's keep this uh, interview going and then <laughs> see if you want to be our friend by the end of it. Um, yes, yeah, so we met in November of 2014. It was a night out that was kind of arranged. And we didn't really get along the first time we met. But then when we met subsequently, we found that we actually just really liked each other and have been inseparable since, really. Well, literally. Because mm. I, I remember when we met and, like you, like you said, we didn't really like each other. We, we're quite different, aren't we? Mm. You know, opposites. But opposites do attract. Yeah. And from there, we just grew and grew. And after a year, we moved in together. And then we got engaged. Yeah. And now we're married. Yeah. Um, Did you meet where you live, like out and as you describe it, like the countryside? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we met in our hometown. You'd come back to the hometown then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I had a, it was all sort of destined and destined. I had a job change. I was living, I was living in the city, the big city. <laughs> and then I moved back because of a job change and, then we just ended up meeting and in fact we went to school together as well but we don't he i remember amir from school but he didn't he doesn't remember me from school um but yeah we we actually met in our hometown in uh, in fact the first time i met him i actually picked him up in front of his mom's house in my car so yeah mm-hmm. and yeah we used to spend a lot of time that hometown's Interesting place. Yeah, it's a magical place, Priya. <laughs> if you want to carry on living, you know, loving London and British culture, don't yeah. visit our hometown. It's actually known as one of the worst towns in the UK. Yeah. Voted. Yeah. Don't go there. Just don't. Oh, my God. Do you, you guys still live there now? Oh, no. No. Okay, I was like, please don't even move. <laughs> no, I don't think I can go to that hometown without having a bloody panic attack. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the story of how we met. Well, that's wonderful. Um, can you talk more about like the engagement to wedding period? We we rarely have guests here that are queer couples and can talk about kind of that journey. But if you can tell us a little bit about how you like proceeded to a wedding and, and about the wedding itself, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Of course. Well, he just put a gun to my head and said, you're getting mad. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> well, I thought it. <laughs> yeah, basically. So we were going out and then we made it official that we're going out. And then he kind of, so Amir says that he insists on saying that he (laughs) likes surprises, but what he must realize that he doesn't like surprises. He likes informed and organized surprises. So what he did, and an engagement usually is a surprise, or it's supposed to be like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting it. Basically, what he said to me was he kind of had his hand over the other and gestured towards his, you know, ring finger and said, I'm ready to be proposed to (laughs) wherever you are. And I was like, okay, then calm down, girl. And then I got the ring from a America. It was like a custom made ring. And the day it came, because I don't have any patience, the day it came, I, I proposed to him. So we had planned our engagement party at this place. We said, whenever we'll get engaged, we'd love to have a party here. And um, the place was where you proposed. It's where we used to always escape and go for walks. Yeah, but so I'm stuff. so I'm saying I'm telling them how we how that right, place okay. became. So I took him there. So I picked him up from work. And I took him to that park, and I got down on one knee, gave him roses, and then made him a really nice meal. And he was like, you know, it completely took him by organized surprise, if I can call it <laughs> that, uh, because he wasn't like, expecting it on the day. And then not on a Monday. No, <laughs> not on a work day. I was like, no. <laughs> So, because uh, yeah, you have to have a little element of surprise, I suppose. And then we had our engagement party there. Because I said to him, I said, oh, babe, wouldn't it be nice, you know, if we had our engagement party here? And he was like, oh, yeah, it would be. But we've got to, you know, get engaged first. And then um, he turned around and I was on one knee. And then uh, we had our engagement party and then we planned our wedding. And then last year, so we were engaged for about three years. Yeah, I love that engagement party. I really yeah. wanted like a festival it was vibe. Like, so it was an outdoor gazebo barbecue. Was, yeah, it was called the I Do Barbecue. So we had like mm. gazebos and lights and a massive barbecue going on, which was great. And then, uh, yeah, last year we had a, a courthouse wedding. So we call it a registry wedding here. I think in America yeah. you guys call it a courthouse wedding. I call it, I call it we, had a, we had a secret shadi. Yeah, essentially, it was a yeah. secret shadi. Yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. So we we dropped our wedding. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was like, 
I really felt like I was like Nicki Minaj dropping a mixtape or something. <laughs> Calm down. I was like, I was like Beyonce dropping Beyonce. And I was like, you wait, we, you wait till we drop this picture. And everyone's going to be shook. You are not Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Beyonce that day. And so it was amazing because we had our nearest and dearest with us through yeah. them few days, through our Mendy, yeah. through the breakfast, through the wedding, the meal. And it was unreal. Yeah, it was magical. Yeah, we had a, we had the henna ceremony, the Mendy, and then uh, we had the wedding and um, we took everyone out for a lovely meal. It was only about 12 of us, yeah. I think. Yeah, it was a, a really, really small group. And uh, yeah, now we're going to plan how we're about re- renewing our vows. No, you hey. you have an idea about this. I'm like, we haven't even married a year yet. Let's get there. I want to renew our vows every year. Okay. <laughs> do you know what you can fund that do you know what I love the pause that that you both had you were like, like every year you like oh he's serious I would have reviewed them in New York though. no we're gonna do it tacky you wanna do it in Vegas don't yeah you? I wanna do it in New York I wanna be like off my face in Vegas mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I can yeah, tell you yeah. on the record Crane Daisy will host your vow renewal here Ooh. in New York anytime you're ready <laughs> Oh, you're so sweet. See, you Anytime you're ready. This year, next year, whenever. Like, <laughs> party will go out. Hey, speaking of weddings, I remember seeing your uh, wedding pictures, Priya. You guys looked stunning. Thank you. Um, so we we basically did a destination wedding uh, in Mexico, and it was great. It was also really small, like well, by Daisy standards, small. We had about forty people, yeah. but it was lovely. It was beautiful. Well, I could tell by the pictures, girl. You guys looked stunning, and those oh, uh, those, those outfits, outfits girl. Yeah. Oh, we were like turn it out in Mexico. Yeah. We've been to Mexico. It's so nice. Where, where about yeah. in Mexico? Did you get married? Uh, we're in Cancun. Uh, oh, I love yes. Cancun. We've been to Cancun before. It's, oh, the beach is gorgeous. Oh, well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. I think that's always like a thing. Like, I know, especially as an activist for me, like, we didn't want to be heteronormative and be like, we're just going to like do the thing and get the picket fence and be married and have kids. Like, we didn't want the conventional thing, but still, culturally for us, like, it was a big deal, and especially for our families, because Rima's family is overseas. My family is in the U.S. They had not met before. I had not met her family before. So there was like a lot of like, this is the moment that all of us can kind of come together. Um, mm-hmm. And culturally, it was just really important to me personally, I guess, more than Rima too, of like having the big wedding, which is why I asked about yours, because I think like culturally, there tends to be all this weight placed on like being married and marriage and yeah. it's so rare still kind of to see there obviously have been so many queer weddings in the South Asian culture but like you see that like going viral now like these days and you're like okay like that's great and I didn't have that and that's like why someone like me starts like a podcast like this is because even after years of like being in the community like didn't see examples of like what does it mean to be like a married queer person maybe that has kids maybe that's like in like my mid to late, you know, like, how do I, how do I know what my future looks like? Right. And so I Mm. think like, it's always something I think about. It's really interesting you say that. I think one of the interesting aspects is that this is a relatively new space Mm. for queer LGBT people. You know, Mm. gay marriage has, if if you want to call it gay marriage, has only been legal for four or five years for both UK and USA. It's, it's, it's not been for a long time. And, you know, the marriage blueprint has always been sat with our heteronormative counterparts and they've given an idea of what marriage would look like. And, you know, that's something that me and Amir have learned as well, that actually it doesn't fit like that for us and that isn't us, but it is still marriage. Mm. So it's, it's, it's really, really interesting because you know me and Amir we don't have aspirations to have children and our wedding wasn't the same way and you know it wasn't the same as a lot of heterosexual weddings are and that's okay yeah and, and you our, you. yeah and our marriage as fresh as it is still it's living out in a very different way to that as you say that white picket fence mm. type of setup whereas a lot of our straight friends they are going for it you know mm. you know people are like you know we're, we're sat, sat here going girl Nicole Scherzinger and Pussycat Dolls new, <laughs> new song came out and like we're telling our friends and they're like so this is my second baby so yeah we're living very different very different marriages and and that's that's completely and fine I I think when I was younger I used to get in my head about it you know there's a way that you you know a path that you follow in life you get married you do this you have kids you get the house and you settle and I think what we've come to realize is we don't like the word settle 
Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I never want to settle. I always want to be have a challenge, and I always want to have that buzz about me. Mm-hmm. You know, and obviously we, we've already we've just mentioned we don't want kids either. So that's a great thing because we get to live our lives for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think that's such a like for us. Like I think the challenge too was like culturally, right? Like and religiously, mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to come from the same part of the subcontinent, but then. You know, she was from a different part of India and I was from a different part of India. And then I'm Hindu and she's a smiley Muslim. So we couldn't get married in her faith. But then like, I don't actively practice my faith. So then how do we, you know, and of course, like if you're going to find like a Hindu priest, for example, like what is the path for, hey, like we're two females or, or two queer identifying individuals. Like how do we navigate this? And a lot of the cultural things, right? Like for my parents, it was like a lot of like, we're supposed to give the daughter away and we're supposed to, you know, and so breaking down a lot of those paradigms. You know what, girl? Yeah. I'm also yeah. you there. You did it. You know what yeah, I mean? No, you like, did. Yeah, you yeah. Thing. You found yourself a gay accepting Hindu priest in Mexico <laughs> and got married to your Muslim <laughs> wife. He was a Hare Krishna for the record. So. Okay, okay. okay fine. <laughs> no, I mean, I just think that makes it even better. <laughs> That's iconic. That is iconic and, you know, <laughs> That is a, a moment in itself. That should be like the world records or something. Yeah, yeah. You contact the Guinness world records. At least can't contact Vanity Fair. <laughs> Capitalize on these. Ellen, <laughs> where are you? Priya, <laughs> capitalize on these precious personal moments. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, just tag Ellen and everything and Oprah. Yeah. You never know. Ellen, if you're listening, send a check. <laughs> Still waiting for my last payment, Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> but no, honestly, that that's phenomenal. I'm trying to use words other than well done, but that's brilliant. And you know, you you're a trailblazer for yeah. Oh no, thank you. I I mean, thank you for that. I didn't mean to like make that about me and make that. I meant more of like, I, I wonder if that's something you guys can relate to. You guys talk so much about your relationship on the podcast. Like, what can you share with us about? Do you have like that kind of cultural? or religious like has that been stuff that you've had to navigate for yourself can you talk a little bit about that yeah so um we were both born into uh, muslim families mm-hmm. that was quite tricky for both of us because um we, we don't we don't identify as muslims anymore and we found that quite stop it it's really annoying <laughs> um i hate you so much <laughs> i'm so sorry um so, you know, growing up, it was it was very difficult trying to navigate, you know, your sexuality with the fact that you're Muslim, but don't feel like you are and that you're brown as well, because you have to deal with all the racism. And I think when we got together, neither of us identified as Muslim at all. But I think I had a lot less issues with my family in terms of religion, because I sort of distanced myself from my family when I was about 18, 19 years old, because they were really, really toxic people. Mm. anyway and the whole sexuality thing that was never going to align with them so mm. unfortunately we don't have much blood family around us mm. but we have family you have chosen family come yeah, on we have a chosen, have a chosen yeah. family and yeah. I'm, no yeah i mean in a greater context too like i don't happy mean to with like, our chosen family. yeah super happy and it just at the moment it's continuing to grow isn't it yeah, now we have the podcast family. <laughs> yeah, please. Okay, so this is a great pivot. Like, thank you for bringing that up. I wanted to talk about the You Don't Love Me podcast for our listeners that aren't familiar. Can you talk about, like, what it is, how you kind of came up with it, why you started it? Yeah, I mean, as we started losing biological family members <laughs> and, one by one, yeah. friends, and friends, we thought, hey, now we need to find new people. <laughs> <laughs> now we need to destroy other people's lives. No, I'm joking. Um, so, but what happened was, I think both of us had a point of view and we had an idea. And people have often said to us, you know, uh, write a book or you should do this or you guys, you know, something that points towards some sort of, you know, in some sort of entertainment capacity. And we thought of, you know, what kind of medium we could exhaust. And we thought, hey, why don't we just do a podcast? Because podcasts, you know, it's relatively, well, at least we thought it's relatively straightforward in terms of how to do it. So one day we just started recording. We had zero expectations of what we were going to come up with. And that's a tradition that we continue to today. <laughs> I think my, it's what makes you who you are. Yeah, for me, I was like, we, we talk a lot. Yeah, we, 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 we talk a lot. Let's just talk into a microphone 
and see what happens and be messy. And I was thinking, you know what, it'd be cute because like our 10 friends will be able to listen to us yeah. and it'd be really, really <laughs> nice. And they'll be able to like, feel like we're there. And I was like, babe, all I want to do is get to like 25 listens or like 50 listens or something yeah. and like just push for it. And then it started to snowball a little. Yeah. 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 It's not as intellectual in terms of its concept, I'd mm. say. You know, we kind of pieced different things together and put it together. So we were like, what do we call it? And we decided to call it the uh, You Don't Love Me. <laughs> and, and what we talk about, we, we, you know, we were just our true authentic selves on the podcast and it's kind of found its audience and generally that is queer people of color who are tend to live in uh, countries where being gay isn't legal or at least you know a, a social cultural taboo mm. and we tend to get a lot of our listeners from there aside from obviously UK and, and, and America and America yeah so um yeah it's just us being us and uh, us having a point of view and talking about you know current affairs what's going on uh, our lives making it fun and entertaining because you know queer people often can live quite a heavy life or you know we come with heavy baggage in terms of our past yeah. and I think if you're able to look at it from a humorous perspective it means that you've dealt with it and I'm happy to say that that is what we're able to do I think it's about finding the light in all the dark yeah and like you said it, it's our point of view and we have episodes that range from us just being fools to being really serious and talking about our issues and we listen to people and you know see what they want to talk about and what they want and we have guests on now as well don't we yeah. we've had some really really exciting and interesting guests on our podcast no, absolutely and i think there's a lot of sort of platforms out there that queer people are working on which is great but they i tend to find a lot of them are, are issue based yes. you know which is fine which is absolutely fine but i always like to try and go a little bit against the grain and, you know, this is our contribution. And in actual fact, you know, I've always been like this and it has paid dividends in the past where people have seen me and said, oh, you're, you know, you've normalized sexuality for us and we don't feel as uncomfortable or, you know, we've become more accepting of gay people or queer people because we've seen how you've conducted yourself. And I'm hoping that that's something that can happen through the podcast as well. And there are people, parents who have messaged us saying our kids listen to you and, and they're not gay, but, you know, they're, mm. they've become a lot more accepting, which is great. I agree with so much of what you said. I mean, I think that's such a big contribution. Like, you're right. Like so much of what we talk about and so much of our existence is kind of written as this like very heavy thing. And it's definitely like, I think what I've learned on this podcast and what we try to focus on is not the coming out journey and not the family stuff, because I hate like what you said in the beginning, right? Of like, oh, how did your parents react? Like, that's always the first question we get as brown people, as queer people, yes. like, and to go beyond that and say, like, who are you? What do you like? What do you do in life? Right. Like, I'm really proud of that on this show because we get to do like, for me, it's always fascinating to be like, well, what do you like do in life? And like, tell me about the things you love to do and the things that you care about. And that leads to so many different avenues like having like chefs and artists and writers and and talking to people from all walks of life that are like doing things that they love and about their life and their journey and I think like what you guys do is such an important part of that right is because you're literally saying here we are take us as we are and then you're also like silly and you laugh and to see you guys interact or hear you guys it feels like I see you when I listen to the podcast but like to hear you guys interact right on the podcast is like heartwarming because especially as a queer person as a queer brown person like to hear like that banter and that you know like it just I do feel like I'm in the room with you and I feel the love and I feel I don't know it feels like you're just part of the family like yeah I'm just hanging oh, out with friends no. and I think like that's what makes it what it like there isn't that in that space I think was what you like there's so much in the space that is new and that is not yet kind of been out there long enough especially in our communities and like anything we can do to break that down. Like, I think it's like the more the merrier. I think we need like 10 times more, more podcasts, more yes. color out. Like, no, I, we I need all of it. I agree with you. And I think yeah. that whole idea of, because a lot of things come out and it is very heavy and serious, but we're like here, like, okay, so we'll do like an episode on our daddy issues, but then we'll go and do an episode because I want to talk about Ariana Grande because I love <laughs> Ariana Grande and you want to talk about your Bollywood films because you will love Bollywood and mm. we just do what we do because our life isn't dictated by being 
gay and brown. There's so much yeah. more to us than that. Yeah, yeah. and thank you so Absolutely. much for your for your kind words, Priya. That's that's really really heart- heartfelt, and you know, for your positive feedback, it mm. that is is really great to hear. The one thing that I will disagree with is that we need more people like us in this space because <laughs> I can't keep up with the competition. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're just about getting people's attention. If you have <laughs> even slightly hotter or thinner than me, then I am finished. Okay, so no, yeah. So no, I don't even know how I own 51% of this market share. <laughs> Tell us quickly about the, the Club Kali event. And I'm going to shout out Club Kali for, for folks that don't know. It's the longest running South Asian queer party in London. And you guys just had an event, right, in February. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. 25 years that place has been running. Amazing. I was there. That's how we met in person the yes. first time. Amazing, yes. amazing You and your space. wife? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, we did, yeah. It was an event, let me tell you that. Yeah. Um, so when we went down in November, that's where we met you, we um, touched base with Rita, who runs the night. Yes. And she really wanted us to do something. So it just came mm. rotation from there. Yeah, it was really un- unexpected. Yeah, it was. Because some, so one of our mutual friends, who's still our friend, we haven't lost this one, um, <laughs> he said to us, he, he said, you know, this is Rita, the... A person who runs the event and we were like oh hi and she was like oh hi boys I know about you and let's do something together so it's, it's been building up since then I suppose which mm. was in November yeah and, I it, think. and it, yeah. it came to be so we hosted a whole cabaret yeah so it was called the, cabaret show yeah so it was called the Jolly Bolly Cabaret Cabaret, yeah, yeah Jolly Bolly Cabaret. By Amran Amran, you don't love me podcast. Yeah, so it was basically a cabaret show that we did. So it kind of started off as a live podcast episode, <laughs> yeah. and then through our talks, we decided to take it a different direction. And if it's if it essentially it was ourselves hosting the event, and we did our performances, Amran did a reading, but we also had uh, drag performers as well as a burlesque dancer. So it was a real mix, and it was really well received. Um, oh my god! I full know. house and 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 what have you? And uh, my alter ego made an appearance as well, Lady Bushra. Lady Bushra, oh Bradford. So. Oh, this <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. It was it really was a labour of love, and we'd love to do it again with uh, Club Carly. They they were brilliant. Well, I'm just gonna say, watch this space. Yeah, yeah. yeah space. It was an yeah. it was an amazing experience hosting an event as well. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. talking, interacting with the crowd, and yeah, interacting with people who've listened to the podcast and and just seeing a sea of brown faces you know as I say we live in a very different uh, little town which is fine no issues with that but it's always great to be able to create that community or at least be a part of it and and know that there's more of you out there I think that is something that is a challenge that the queer community as a whole faces Mm. where you feel like you are the only one who is in that position and it's because some of our so much of our history has somewhat been deleted or we are censored yeah we're we're censored heavily so you feel like you're the only one so it's always important to create those spaces and and avenues to say you're not the only one look at all these people around you that that are the same as you and they and it's absolutely fine to be you and that's why visibility is so important and I think I recognize this more when we're doing the podcast you know we did it for a reason of just wanting to talk but you know what it's important for us to use our platform it might be a small platform that we have but a platform to show you know we are here we are gay we're brown we're married we're proud and you can do it too and you can be part of our family we'll take you we'll support you and with open arms and we'll all support one another and that visibility is so important us being on stage in yasari in heels doing what we want to do is like it can be shocking for some people to see but it's important for them to see, you know, wow, these people are being themselves and it's okay. Mm. Nothing's happening. The yeah. earth hasn't shattered. Yeah, no no throne, no throne of God is shaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's all fine. Absolutely. We'll be back with our last segment with Amer and Amer. Hi, Queering Daisy listeners. This is Priya. I want to take a moment to share something with you. As South Asian LGBTQIA folks, our strength is our diversity. We come from a variety of backgrounds and what we wear is so often essential to being able to express who we are. Whether you're breaking barriers, deconstructing stigmas, or pursuing your passion, there's a brand called Bakwas Apparel that understands what it means to be who you are and what it takes to be true to yourself, something we believe in deeply here at Queering Daisy. 
Inspired by this generation of go-getters, innovators, disruptors, and dreamers, Bakwas takes pride in designing apparel that embraces and shares this multicultural identity to the world. Check out the awesome designs on their website at www.bakwasapparel.com. That's B-A-K-W-A-A-S apparel.com. And use the code AA10 with no spaces for an exclusive discount just for you, our listeners. Join the movement, be Bakwas. Okay, back to the show. So in this last segment, I love to do a couple games. I forgot that there's one standard question that I always ask on my guests that I didn't get to do in the last segment. So I'll start with that and then we'll go to the fun stuff. I always ask, and both of you take your time to answer this individually, but what would your advice to your younger selves be? It's like we're on a drag race. (laughs) (laughs) My advice. I think they stole it from me, by the way, for the record, because I started doing this a long time (laughs) ago. my advice to my younger self would be get some dance lessons like Mm -hmm. hardcore get into dancing don't quit karate don't quit guitar don't quit these things because you you need to be creative and no matter what you go through and what you're going to go through in your life you will come out stronger and you will come out the end and you are an amazing sickening incredible individual and yeah, you're just amazing and you will learn to love yourself. Mm. So trust the process. <laughs> um, my advice to my younger self is good God, girl, get out. <laughs> <laughs> the sooner you leave that home, the better. Um, mm. But in all honesty, I think my advice to my former self is to say, do you know what? You were on the right path all along. Don't doubt yourself because... People are questioning you. The reason why they're questioning you is probably because they're a bit fearful of you and threatened by you because they don't know where you fit. So you're completely right on your path. You do you. You go and uh, be yourself. And there's nothing wrong with wearing your mum's heels, putting on a little bit of lipstick and feeling your fantasy. It doesn't necessarily mean X, Y and Z. And don't listen to those hateful voices and go out and live your truth. And one day you will find your family, your own chosen family. And that's all going to be worthwhile. So yeah, that would be my advice to my former self, I think. I I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's not really advice as much as I'm just validating my own existence. (laughs) It's my own appraisal. I'm going to change the question. It's like, what would be be in my appraisal form, which is basically, (laughs) you did brilliant, you're brilliant, keep on being brilliant. That's my answer to the question. Oh my God. I love that though. That's, that is so much of the answer though, right? Lies in that truth, which is that validation, right? Of just, it doesn't, maybe the advice specifically doesn't matter as much as like, Hey, what you're doing is valid and you're on the right path. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, there's, you're not alone in it. And and there are so many people, I mean, you know, just a small example. Uh, When I was younger, I, I was quite an effeminate child I wasn't the typical boy surprise surprise all my friends would like play football or they would go outside and run and and, and so on and so forth and my parents would use a lot of homophobic slurs towards me or they would call you know refer to me as the the third gender you know as a Mm. a hijra or Mm. you know they would say oh you're doing this and you know I would I would literally you know I would put on uh, my mom's heels and run around and make everyone laugh and then Mm. just to kind of keep the balance in their own heads my parents would have to make some sort of homophobic or uh, you know uh, insulting remark to kind of tell Mm. themselves that yes it was funny but it's not okay and I as I've grown older, I've realized actually it is funny and it is okay. And just because I'm doing that does not mean that I'm transgender. You know, it's not it's mm-hmm. not a straight extrapolation as that. It's not as a, a potentially extreme as that. And even if it was, there's nothing wrong in that. And that's been a big learning for me because, uh, you know, me being me hasn't harmed anyone and it couldn't harm anyone. So what was the issue? Just because, you know, the issue was that I didn't fit into your standards of what a man should be and what is uh, what it's like to be a man, you know, sorry, not interested. So mm. I, I suppose that's really what I'm, what I'm saying. And <laughs> wow. that was some advice to you, like younger self. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> younger self probably looking like, 
what is she on about? What are you on about? My younger self is like clapping and saying, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. This is, this is turned into an appraisal to a memoir now. The <laughs> question is, no rapid fire for you. When is your book coming out? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Never give him rapid fire questions. Now is on Audible. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's wonderful. Um, thank you both for sharing that. Like, that's amazing to hear. And I, I plug the podcast again because you guys are just so real about so many of the things that go on in your lives and that you see. And so, all listeners, like, please go check out You Don't Love Me podcast. But before we wrap up, we're going to do a quick rapid fire. I like to call it a rapid fire, but I realize now as you talk that maybe it's a little misleading. It's more like a get to know you guys rapid fire rather okay. than a trivia rapid fire. Um, so I'll just go through some random stuff and then fill in your answers and then we'll do a second game right before we end. So we'll go ahead and start. Both of you, favorite song? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the pause was amazing. That was great. You can't just do that to yeah, us. Yeah. I mean, rapid fire, you guys. Favorite song, both of you, go. Okay, my favorite song of all. Oh, it's so it, it could be all time, it could be current, whatever. Okay, so the, the first song that comes to my head is probably Guma okay. from the film Badmarvad. It's up there. It's not my favorite song. Uh, but, oh, favorite Western song is Trick Me by Khalees. Ooh, okay. okay, so I'm just thinking of one instantly, and it's a band called From First to Last, and it's called Featuring Some of Your Favorite Words because I was a hardcore emo kid when I was younger. Yes, love that. Okay, that's great. Favorite movie, both of you? Oh, uh, that's an easy one. My favorite movie of all time is Dev Das Bansali, which is a Bollywood. In Hollywood, I think maybe Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Wow, we only want one. Mine is Avengers, <laughs> the, the last one, because I, I love the superhero films, and that film was everything to me. Um, and oh. what about Bollywood? Bollywood. Um, oh, I know which one's your favourite. Ed Elhim was Yes, you? thank you. Because of Ashwarya Rai. Yeah, and her beauty. Yeah, oh my gosh. Oh my God, but that movie was a little not great. <laughs> was it not? I liked it. Controversial yeah. opinion. The, that was like the Anushka Sharma has cancer movie, yes? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for spoiling <laughs> it for everyone who hasn't seen <laughs> Now it. everyone will not see this movie. No, I, I will have a bone to pick about this. I'm curious to hear your input on this movie, though, really mm-hmm. quickly. Is, isn't is it weird that he's just like pursuing her when she's like, I'm not into you? It's, 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 That's a classic it's, moment, but. it's more than weird it's inappropriate it's harassment to a certain extent I, I yeah. completely agree with that yeah, I, I completely agree with that yeah it does happen I'm not sure if the movie normalized that because the the character uh, of Ranbir Kapoor he was like mm-hmm. an incessant child and he didn't know boundaries even if you look at, at the first scene in the intermission when he comes up to Ishwarya Rai he's all up in her face and she's mm-hmm. visibly agitated by him and she talks to him and coaches him like a child to a certain extent and but having said that the director of the film he did acknowledge it when he is reunited with Anushka Sharma's character he pushes her and says where were you and Karan Johar said that he recognized that he kind of crossed the line and that is harassment but because and I've always said that art imitates life and you know a lot of art is a mirror up to society to say hey this is what you're like and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the, uh, you know, this type of behavior does happen both in the South Asian and the Western world. And it only gets worse, unfortunately, if you look further back into Bollywood. Yeah. You know, now it showed him, you know, in Edel Himoshkil, it showed Ranbir Kapoor as being harassing. If you look at some of the older films, like, say, for example, um, there's a film called Nagin by Sri Devi and Rishi Kapoor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. you will be familiar with the song, Tera Dushman, Dushman yeah. Great song, but do you remember how that song ends? No. Actual fact, it was Ranbir Kapoor's dad who did the character, Rishi Kapoor. Mm. He comes into the room and he sees his wife dancing. Without trying to understand what's going on, he slaps her across the face. Mm. Completely inappropriate, but I have not seen a single person talk about that film scene to this day. And, you know, when the film was made in the 80s and 90s, that seemed like a completely acceptable thing to do and portray Mm. on on celluloid. But now watching it, I'm thinking, how is that Mm. an appropriate reaction to seeing what's going on? 
So yeah, it's it's interesting. It really is interesting. But I think that's for another. Yeah, but it's episode. important because it opens up these questions as well. Mm. In case you didn't know, he's a Bollywood queen, and we have two Bollywood. No, episodes. I remember this. Yeah, the two Bollywood episodes are yeah. epic. I think yeah. more to come as well. But, as well, <laughs> but one, of the why we, one of the reasons why we like Adele Moshkil is because of the aesthetic. I mean, oh, <laughs> my God. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. And also because um, the song they sample, Papa Roach's Last Resort. Yeah, for the song. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I completely slaughtered our rapid fire, but I will try to resuscitate with a few last questions. Um, would, did we do favorite movie? Yeah, we did movie. Yeah. Okay, I'll move to favorite, favorite artist or singer. Uh, favorite artist I'll go with um, Madhuri Dixit, okay. the Bollywood actress. I uh, just love the way she conducts herself and who she is and what she is. And she's a great dancer um, and she has a great smile. So it's almost like as if I'm looking into a mirror most days. <laughs> um, I'm team, team Rihanna Navy all the time. And my idol icon is Freddie Mercury. Ooh, I like that. Favorite date night activity, both of you? Ooh. Favorite di- date night consists of buying um, high-protein, low-calorie ice cream from our <laughs> local supermarket, sitting in front of the TV, getting all cozied up and watching Drag Race. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. And then favorite city that you've traveled to? Because you've been so many places. Not <laughs> spreading the news. New York. Yeah, New York. <laughs> It's almost like you had practiced that. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, we will move to our last segment, which is reality versus Instagram. It's something Ooh. I personally this season have started because I'm I'm quite interested in the Instagram kind of emergence, especially for South Asian people, especially for South Asian queer people. So a few questions just about your social media behavior. So I think this will be right up your alley. Um, so the first question is, how many takes does it take to get the perfect selfie? Like how many takes does it take you? Uh, zero because I don't like selfies. One, <gasps> one because I'm flawless. <laughs> oh my god, both of those answers were great. <laughs> it's true, girl. Like I just look at myself and I'm like, wow, I didn't realize the pizza got that puffy. Shouldn't have had that second pizza. So. I, just, I just look at myself and I'm like, wow, you're married to this. Lucky, <laughs> I'm sickening. Let's get another. <laughs> Do you guys have a go-to filter on Instagram? No. No filters? Really? Not a go-to one, no. Not a go-to. Okay, so just kind of whatever goes in the yeah. moment. The last, okay. the last selfie I posted on social media was in August of 2019. It was last <laughs> decade, Priya. Oh, my God. My questions are already outdated. <laughs> um, what's your favorite hashtag to use or, or follow even? Okay, so I, Lady Bushra has her account. <laughs> And mm-hmm. yeah. which is my alter ego, and Lady Bushra's mm-hmm. favorite hashtag is vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain? She, well, she's not vegan, but she she enjoys the movement, you know. <laughs> and the followers that come with it, so yeah. <laughs> hashtag vegan. What's the favorite hashtag? And the other hashtag that she likes is biological woman. <laughs> what? Because anyone who questions her ways is clearly a racist. <laughs> Lady Bushra is a mess. I'm yeah. telling you that. She yeah. is that, little, that girl from Bradford that sits in the shisha lounge and thinks she's all cute, no. but she's not. No, no. <laughs> and she's not vegan. And there's a recording of her coming out. Yeah, she's a contradiction of terms. She's yeah. a Bollywood movie. She's a mess. So that's yeah. your favorite hashtag. Yeah. I think my favorite, my, my most go-to, I don't really have a go-to one, do I? Slay, maybe? Maybe. Oh, n- maybe Navy or something to do with Ariana Grande to keep in touch with what's going on in their lives. Or maybe poetry, mm. because I, have a, I post a lot of poetry on my poetry account. So mm. I um, look at other people's poems as well, because I love writing. Oh, that's awesome. How many stories is too many? So, like, I've had many friends who go to concerts and they're already, like, crappy quality because you can't hear the song or see the stage. And then they'll post, like, 20 stories. And I'm like, next. How many stories is too many on Instagram? I can't tell you a figure, but... Yeah, 10? You think 10? So if someone posted, like, nine stories, you'd watch, like, each segment of their story? They have, like, I, I, to be honest with you, I just watch my own story. Okay, so... <laughs> I think <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. I think you have to kind of like break it down. I think if deep it is, <laughs> it is okay. So like, if you've got like, what are they called? Posts or stories? Insta stories? Like Snapchat? When we used to have Snapchat? Okay. So each segment you have a segment, one. right? So okay. We've got like four or five at okay. the moment. So on your Insta story, I think ten is a perfectly acceptable 
number of segments, providing only five of them pertain to one single event. Work. So if you're at a concert, take three, okay, beginning, middle, and end, and then just put your phone away and enjoy the concert. Do you know what? What I've seen as the years have gone by, especially going to festivals and stuff, people are, like, bringing their phones out and just recording, like, a whole two-hour set. And I'm like, listen, right? Beyonce is in front of you right now. Yeah. Have your spiritual moment. Put your phone away. Yeah, just like, in the moment. Who, yeah. who really looks back at these rubbish videos when you can go and watch her on YouTube or Netflix? I tell you what, one thing which I recorded extensively but will not apologize for was um, the firework display at Central Park for New Year's. Oh, yeah. That was um, and and I, and I recorded that with no apologies. But having said that. That was for yourself, though. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I didn't post it all on social media. I just posted maybe one or two. That's mm. it. And, that, you know, that's just for my friends to be like, you know, so that I could show them how happy I am and how miserable they are. <laughs> that's totally valid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, two more, and then we're we're done. So one is dogs, babies, or memes. Which which would you follow on Insta, or none? Memes of dogs. <laughs> memes of dogs. I love dog memes. They're so good. Memes, memes of housebound boots. Yeah. Oh, of dog memes. Okay, I need to find some dog memes accounts. That actually sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're so much fun. I'll tag you. Don't worry, Priya. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. Um, and then last question: like favorite account or person to follow. Lady Bushra of Bradford. She's <laughs> an icon, Nobel Peace Prize winner, and all around superstar. And perhaps vegan, <laughs> unclear. Yeah. <laughs> she's, in the, she's vegan, ambiguous. She's, what's the word? She's a vegan fluid. She's vegan curious. Yeah, yeah, why not? No, but aside from, okay, so aside from Lady Bushra, my. Favorite um, I know. Instagram account is probably Grinder memes. <laughs> I love okay. memes. Yeah, they're really really funny. I think that's it. Yeah, I think at the moment for me it's um, Candy Muse's account. Oh, Candy. she's a, a drag queen from New York. And um, no girl, she's a New York, New York drag queen. queen. Yeah, and the be- one of the best New York shows. And her account is her, what she posts is just brilliant and hilarious and funny. Yeah, so yeah, kind of new as work. Yeah, and if you guys are listening in New York and not seen the New York drag scene, go and see her on Tuesdays at Pieces Monday, Bar. Monday, Monday Pieces, Mondays Queen at Pieces. Queen. Yeah, Mondays at Pieces Bar. She's <gasps> she doesn't disappoint. She's she's phenomenal. That's amazing. I'll have to check her out one of these days too. Hmm. That's all the questions I have, guys. Ooh. You made it. You made yeah, it to the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> Any last thoughts? Anything else that you wanted to say before we part? You can follow us on Instagram at you don't love me underscore podcast. That is you don't love me underscore podcast. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at YDLM underscore podcast, hashtag YDLM podcast, and like us on Facebook at YDLM podcast. Yeah. Gotta do that well. Yeah, well done. Wow, you it's almost like you do that every time. <laughs> it does. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you very much for having us thank on you. your platform, Priya. Um Creative Podcast. It's um, you know, great to be able to share this space with you. So thank you very, very much. And we'd love to have you on our podcast at some point whenever oh, thank you. Yeah, I would love that. I don't know how I would flow in the banter of everything, so I'm like nervous about that, but thank you for the offer. Yeah. And thank you for being here. I, I appreciate you know sharing your stories and I know being vulnerable and all that good stuff is not easy but I very much appreciate the candor and you two are just amazing and adorable and another plug for your podcast everyone go listen to it it's so good but thank you again for being on no no absolutely you, our pleasure. and don't feel don't feel you know don't worry about fitting in uh, on our podcast basically it's just going to be me and Amir talking at you and you've just got to talk <laughs> every now and then didn't we just do that for an hour no, no. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, more of that okay <laughs> what about tinkerbell you know you give us attention we know we exist <laughs> <laughs> oh my god thank you guys for being on creating they see i love you guys and i love your podcast and i love all that you're doing so thank you again thank you thank you, you don't love me ooh, ooh, ooh. bye <laughs> Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Queering Daisy. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes to help us spread the word and to make sure you get the latest episodes right to your phone. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Queering Daisy. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, 
please feel free to reach us on social media or drop us an email at queeringdesi at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.